Well, I'm glad you're here this morning. You picked a great morning to come. We are beginning a new series of messages we're calling Ask, Questions That Christians Must Answer. And here is the a postcard, essentially, that has the schedule of the rest of the questions. So, there's a chance this morning that you're going to think that what I'm talking about is dumb. Okay? This isn't your question. You don't like this question. There are four more questions to come. And the schedule is on the back of this postcard there on the table just outside these double doors on your way out. So if you want to grab one and, and look at uh, the questions, uh, see which ones might be of particular interest to you, some that might be particular interest to a friend or a neighbor or a coworker, maybe a conversation you've already had with somebody. What we did with these is that we solicited questions and feedback on Facebook from people. And, and this is what we asked them. What are some questions you would like to ask Christians? Words, what do you think Christians need to answer for? And the first question that we want to answer this morning is essentially, how can you believe that? How can you believe that? That's ridiculous. I mean, that, that's not on the question. That's extra, right? But that's the assumption underneath the question is that how can Christians believe preposterous things like miracles, like creation, like a resurrection, like a virgin birth? When we know that those things can't happen, that's the question. And we thought we'd put this question first because it comes right off of Easter, doesn't it? This is the issue for us as people who believe in the resurrection of Jesus. And so, that's the, that's the pressure. In fact, this is just, this is a verse we looked at last week. Okay, I'm just gonna take up from what we were talking about last week with Thomas. Thomas said, I'm not gonna believe in the resurrection of Jesus. Unless I put my fingers there, unless I stick my hand in his side. And, uh, Jesus appeared then to the disciples and Thomas was present and he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands, put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said, and here, this is the issue here. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. So, part of me wants to say this is a modern problem. With the the growth and improvement of science and scientific discoveries, there is more pressure, I think, on the church to say, uh, how do you understand a belief in the invisible when we can't measure it, when we can't reproduce it, when we must have a worldview that is only natural? I think it's a modern problem, but... because. <laughs> Because it happened several times in the life of Jesus. It isn't purely a modern problem. It's a modern problem, perhaps, that's worse now than it was. But it is a human problem. 
that we want to believe in what we can see, not in what we can't see. And so, this is, this is the way, this is why there's a problem. This is a, this is the definitions that might help you with respect to what we're talking about, with respect to miracles. C.S. Lewis uh, said, a miracle is something unique that breaks the pattern so expected and established that we hardly consider the possibility that it could be broken. Okay? First case in point, a resurrection. There is a very strong pattern there. You understand this, right? So that it's not just, you know, out of a hundred people, 99 of them die, and we wonder if this is going to be the next one. It is a hundred out of a hundred, and there is the one exception. And so that's the question, right? Webster's Dictionary defines a miracle as an extraordinary uh, event manifesting divine intervention in human affairs. So this n- now the the rub is coming in here because I just assumed something new, right? The first thing was there is a, a pattern that makes us think. So you know, a pattern being something that we could discover through uh, testing with a hypothesis and uh, some sort of uh, scientific method, or just repeated observations so significant that there's no other explanation. Webster defines it as including divine intervention, or. Another definition is a transgression of a law of nature by a particular volition of the deity or by the interposition of some invisible agent. And so this question is important because it assumes what we should assume. It assumes what the Bible says is true. That there is an intervention in the world in which we live by a divine agent. That He does have volition. And He does desire something in this world that breaks with the natural order of things. And so, we might call that a miracle. And the Bible says that over and over. That I mean, the Bible is full of miracles. I mean, from the very first page of creation to uh, the life and death and resurrection of Jesus, the whole thing is dependent upon the intervention of God in the normal way of working. And so, some of the question is, how can you believe that? How can you believe that? This is a statement as bold and as strong as it can be stated. The cosmos is all there is and all there ever will be. Okay. The, the philosophy or the, the worldview, you might say, that this, expl- that this expresses is called naturalism. That the 
natural explanation for things comes from inside the system. Inside the cosmos. Inside the way that things are. Inside the natural laws. Inside the way that things work. The cosmos is all there is and all there ever will be. And so it's important that you understand that is a natural or naturalistic way of looking at the world. And <laughs> Carl Sagan's not the only one. You do understand that, right? This is a, this is a very real and present thing. I mean, if you listen to a TED Talk, okay, I happen to have a TED Talk podcast that I listened to on a mowed the yard yesterday. Inescapable listening to TED. If you sit in a classroom, inescapable in a classroom. It's inescapable in the media. I mean, it's even, it's everywhere. And we, you have to realize that it's everywhere. Okay? And that what it does is it says to someone who claims to be a Christian, how can you believe in something outside of the system? You see, that's where, that's where this goes. Because if you have a system that you can analyze and explain and think about and understand, and test, and you can believe that everything arises from within that system, that is, uh, that is one way of looking at the world. What, what it means to have a Creator God, what it means to have the God of the Bible who made all things, is that there is someone who stands outside of the system. And standing outside the system then is sovereign over the system. Okay? That's, all that's just simply my explanation of the problem. The question remains, how can you believe that? Okay? I, I, I want to tell you that you must believe that. Okay? And that as, as Christians, we are working at faith, which is the belief that this world is not all there is, but the God of the Bible, as the Bible describes Him, stands over His creation and outside of it. And occasionally interrupts it. We, have, we call that a miracle. We call that a resurrection. We call that a virgin birth. We call it whatever, you know, whatever name you want for it. He interrupts what we, only what we see. The basis for this has largely been pinned on science. That, that in fact, I, I have a friend who who's, uh, was talking to his child about his, his, uh, the child's friend and, and that the, the family of the friend. And he said, oh, Dad, they don't, believe, they don't believe in God. They believe in science. That is one way that this problem is expressed. And so, uh, Tim Keller, in his book, A Reason for God, says it's one thing to say that science is only equipped to test for natural causes and cannot speak to any others. Okay? 
purely if you were going to say to state a hypothesis and be able to test for that hypothesis, okay, you, you could say that is what science does. But it is quite another thing altogether to suggest or insist more strongly that science proves that no other causes could possibly exist. Which is then some of what is underneath the question, right? Is that the, the question is there, how can you believe that? Because we can understand and test, and I will say assume, that all of the causes that occur in this world are inside the box. But, all, but that's partly because all that we can test is inside the box. And what we can test inside the box does not necessarily uh, give us the ability to test outside the box or the right to deny that anything outside the box could exist. So, that's one of the places that people go with this. But this is really an important distinction that you need to understand because we run into this all of the time. Okay, I mentioned this happened in Jesus' day. Here it is with the... Um, the man born blind in John chapter 9. One of the best, I think one of the funniest anecdotes in all of Jesus' life. Okay? The man was born blind. Nobody believes him. Okay? Uh, except his parents. The man, you know, they, so you're getting quiz. He's essentially brought into trial on account of you were blind, now you see what is going on here. The man said, this is an amazing thing. Okay? As per our previous definition, a miracle. You don't know where He comes from, yet He opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. And if anyone is a worshiper of God and does His will, God listens to him. Never since the world began. So, okay, listen to how this man describes the problem, right? Inside the box. It has never been heard that anyone would open the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not outside of the system, he could do nothing. They answered him. So this, this is why I'm showing you this. They answered him, you were born in utter sin. Would you teach us? And they cast him out. Right? Which means, they were not really interested in the evidence. Because the evidence was problematic for the way that they were going to come to their conclusion. And it was a problem, this is important, for their presupposition. Their presupposition was Jesus was not outside the system. Jesus was not God. A man from God is the way it's said here. And so, fine. Then, you want to tell us that's the case? Get out of here. Now, I tell you that because some of you wonder, why do I get so nervous? Or why is it such a problem for me when I want to tell my friend about my faith in Jesus? Okay. Some of the reason it's a problem to tell someone who has a naturalistic view of the world that you believe that Jesus rose from the dead, 
Okay, which is at the heart of our good news, our gospel. The, the, the problem with that is that they have a look at the world that says that can't possibly happen. They have defined the world in such a way that can't happen. So here you are trying to tell them that it does happen. They're trying to hear it and say it may happen, but it can't happen. So if you are telling me that something that can't happen did happen, you're a crazy person. Get out of here. Okay, That is some of the way, at least that's what some of us fear as we try and talk about these things. Because we know this is out there. This is everywhere, right? And so, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping that you understand and see more clearly the problem. I, I want to push on one more thing before we look at some other Scriptures. And that is simply the idea, and I hope this helps, the idea that the world is all there is, or that the world is this closed box. By world, I mean universe, galaxies, everything. Okay? I mean, I, I told you to listen to a TED Talk. Just yesterday, I listened to one of the physicists who said um, his claim was something to the effect of, I, I think it was 70% of the universe is dark matter. And we don't know what dark matter is. And the guy who was doing the interview said, does that bother you? Because I didn't know that. And you just told me, and that bothers me. That we can't know 70% of the universe. And he said, no, I've come to grips with it. But you see, the whole idea of the box is really helpful for me. And what we understand the Bible to teach us is that God created the world and stands outside the box. Okay? And then He is sovereign over the box. It's a really big box, just so you know. <laughs> he is sovereign over the box. And when he, is, when he rules over the box, sometimes He intervenes in it. And that is His right as someone who is outside the box and over it. One of the most confusing things about this is that there are people who are spiritual in this world. Okay, and you know them and I know them. I mean, and, it, and this is expressed lots of different ways. Uh, it's sometimes, I mean, I, I remember the first time this sort of blew up for me. I told someone that they needed a personal relationship with Jesus. And, and they said, that's exactly what I need. I said, well, great then. But they didn't mean by that what I meant by that. What they meant by that was, I want to personally define who Jesus is and what He does in my life. What He means to my life. That's what they meant by that. And that's what most people mean by that. People are very comfortable with a God that is inside the box. Because He's inside the box. And He arises then from the imaginations or the stories of people who are in the box. 
They're spiritual in that they believe in this story as long as the story is contained in the box. So, I've been to funerals, right? Where, and I don't do open mics at funerals anymore, really. So, if you, if you want that, please don't ask. I'm, I'll talk to you about it. But, <laughs> but really, I mean, part of the reason for that is that I've had people with an open mic say, hey, you know, so-and-so's floating up there watching us, hoping we'll go out for a beer. Now, that is a spiritual statement. There, that this spirit of this person somehow lives on, they're saying happily inside the box. Not as defined by the God who stands outside the box. This is, this is very important and this has helped me get clear on a lot of things. Because yes, people can be spiritual without this same understanding that there is a God who intervenes miraculously and who defines reality because He, is cre- he has created the world and stands over it. Okay. So I want to say to you that it is very important that you believe this. That you as someone who, well, who claims to be a Christian, it's very important you believe this. Now, I just, you heard me hesitate. I hesitated because this is a rub for everybody. Okay, I mean, I, I've been a pastor for a long time. My greatest rub is a God who stands outside the box. A God who I can't see. A God who doesn't conform to my imagination or will. That, that's, my, that's my biggest struggle, I'm just going to say. When I want to see Him, I don't. When I want to feel like He's close, I don't always. When I'd say, God, I could really use a miracle here. What do I get? You know what I get, don't you? I get what you get, generally. That is the rub for all of us. And I want to assure you that even though that's a rub, that is an issue for us. Okay? And I just want to, I want to hit some places where, where you have, you know, one of my goals is you're going to decide today, right? Am I going to commit myself to this God who is outside of the system instead of trying to create a God who is inside the system who does what I want? This is talking about Jesus Himself. For by Him, by Jesus, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether the thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through Him and for Him. And so this tells us as outside the box, outside the system, God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is creating everything, things you see and things you can't see. Even invisible agents who act in the world. Okay, this, is, this is all throughout the Bible too, isn't it? We call them angels and demons. Or, if we use biblical words, they might be thrones, dominions, rulers, and authorities. That's one of the ways the Bible describes it. Okay? We say we are people of faith, right? Here is, here is a definition of faith that brings us to the point. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not seen. 
By faith we understand, okay, and here is, here is the definition, right, of the system and outside the system. By faith we understand the universe was created by the Word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. We have this very issue about what we can see, what we can't see, what we can test, what we can't test, what we can measure and understand, and what we can't understand. And it is a matter of faith to take God at His Word as He describes reality. It's important because without faith, it's impossible to please God. Please understand, this is part of the good news that we talk about every week. That God invites you to believe Him. You may have thought or may have heard that without good works, it is impossible to please Him. Without doing enough good, it's impossible to please God. The Scripture says here that He is pleased when you believe Him. And whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. And so, this comes right at the heart of the issue about what it means to believe um, not only in God or God the Father, but what it means to believe in God the Son. Because when you're talking about Jesus who created all things visible and invisible, we're talking about Jesus who rose from the dead, or Jesus who turned water to wine, or healed a blind man, or did any of those things, you must come to Him in faith. And so it's important that we pursue that. Okay, Here is a description of what this means, particularly when we are suffering. This line of momentary affliction is, pre- is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not at things that are seen, but things that are unseen. For things that are seen are transient, but things that are unseen are eternal. We have this invitation to a life, a life where there is more than what you can see. Now here we're beginning to, I think, to get at the issue. The issue is not that we need to talk about what we can see and say that what we can see found its origins in a supernatural creation or found its origin versus found its origins in natural selection perhaps okay you can have that argument if you want please don't have it with me okay what the issue is really is are we going to be people who trust that this world is not all there is that what is going on around us that we can see does not define ultimate reality. In other words, there isn't just this imminent frame, this closed system, this box. There is transcendence that is glorious and beautiful and eternal and invites us for more. See, that's we're beginning to get the essence of the rub here. Because if you've all, all you've got is the system and all you look at are things that are seen, then all you have is what you have. And where does the hope come from there? Where does the purpose come from there? 
Where does the meaning in life come if that really is what all you're committed to? Woody Allen understood the question. Woody Allen is famous for quotes like this, isn't he? Turns out that life is just a little unsatisfying. See, all of us have pain and all of us have frustration. All of us face the same kind of you know, things we can see. But what is what we're talking about this morning is, is there something that you can't see that is worth believing in? That is meaningful, gives purpose, meaning, and hope to life? Or one of the ways that you would describe that is transcendence. Is there transcendence? Namely, a story greater than our own. And one of the things that is interesting to me, and this is a very pressure that this question puts us under. The interesting interesting thing to me is that I believe all of us would love a story better than the one we have. That's the rub. That's the pressure. We all, when confronted with this imminent frame, this thing that we can see, all of us find that, like Woody Allen did, somewhat dissatisfying. Now, I have this on good authority. Okay? You're going to say, oh, he's got a Bible verse up his sleeve. I got, I got something else. Okay? I'm, I'm going to say, I, I, I want to be known as somebody who's not into musicals. Okay? It's like not quite manly enough for me. But the reality is that, I have, that the last several years, have, there have been some amazing musicals that we have watched. I mean, and I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to show you. Here, this is from La La Land. What? Okay? So, I want you to listen for the satisfaction level. I want you to listen for the, the hope and the meaning that is wrapped up only in this life, right? Here's the ones who dream, foolish as they may seem. Here's to the hearts that ache. Here's to the mess we make. Talking about her grandmother, she captured a feeling, a sky with no ceiling, sunset. She even uses these words, isn't, doesn't she? See, this is what's so beautiful about a sunset. This is what's so, this is what's so magnificent about a, a, a view from the top of the mountain. A sunset inside a frame, she says. She lived in her liquor and died with a flicker. I'll always remember the flame. Here's to the ones who dream. Foolish as they may seem. Here's to the hearts that ache. Here's to the mess we make. There is this longing expressed in La La Land that life would have turned out differently if you've seen that. That this world could have better answers than it does. That's one. Next one. Very, I think very fun. The Greatest Showman. Okay, this, I mean, I, I could not write this any more clearly. 
All the shine of a thousand spotlights, all the stars we steal from the night sky will never be enough. Never be enough. Towers of gold are still too little. These hands could hold the world. But it'll never be enough. It'll never be enough. See, that's, that's this longing in the human heart. Okay? This is, not, this is not religious literature here. Okay? I'm not quoting to you the Bible. I'm quoting to you the popular expression of the frustration that, that artists have, shall I even say, with life inside the system. Okay? There's, I'm not finished. There's still another. Okay? Some of you saw the Oscars. Okay? I mean, this, this blew up my newsfeed the day after the Oscars when Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga sang Shallow at the Oscars. Most, I didn't see the Oscars. Most people said it was the only good thing that was there. Okay? But listen to the word. This has been the most popular song of 2019. Okay? Tell me something, girl. Are you happy in this modern world? Or do you need more? Is there something else you're searching for? I'm falling. In all the good times, I find myself longing for change. And in the bad times, I fear myself. Tell me something, boy. Aren't you tired trying to fill that void? Or do you need more? Ain't it hard keeping it so hardcore? Don't you need more? Oh, it keeps going. Sorry. <laughs> I find, or I'm falling in all the good times. I find myself long. Is this the same one? No, it's not. It just goes on and on like this. I left off all the shallow, 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 shallow at the end. I'm finding myself longing for change. In the bad times, I fear myself. I'm off the deep end. Watch as I dive in. I'll never meet the ground, crash to the surface where they can't hurt us. We're far from the shallow now. They understand. This is, these are the deep issues of life that are unanswerable inside the system. And so they ask the question, are you wanting something more? Are you satisfied with the way that things are? And so, I want to go back to the question that we started with. See, how can you believe that? How can you believe that? I'd, I'd, I'd love for you to be able to say, I can believe that. Um, you know, there, there are two pieces to that. I can believe that because the scientific you know, presuppositions or the way that, that science could measure and look at life does not address the question of whether there's something outside the box. And so I feel justified in letting there remain a God who's outside the box. So I can believe it you know, for that reason. However, there's another. I can believe that because what I understand the Bible to teach me about the world, about the one who stands out of the world, about the one who enters the world through a virgin birth to rescue the world, 
to forgive the world, to express God's love to the world, to reconcile them to the God who stands outside the world, to be raised from the dead. Okay, going back where we started. What I believe about that is far more satisfying than what is inside the box. I have more hope than the box can produce. I have more meaning and purpose in life than can be found through exploration inside the box. Because the Bible shows me something outside the box. And then here, Timothy Keller in his book, Reason for God, says, Jesus' miracles are not just a challenge to our minds. He's just, he's just tried to answer the scientific question. He says, but they are a promise to our hearts that the world that we all want is coming. You see, that is the promise of the resurrection of Jesus. See, I mean, Paul said, if Jesus is not raised, I am of all men most miserable. Because the resurrection of Jesus tells me that there is a world that I want. And really all of the miracles of Jesus tell me that there is a world that I long for, where things are right, where blind men are healed, where the celebration of the wedding supper of the Lamb in the last day is prefigured by Jesus turning water into wine in His first miracle at the wedding of Cana. These miracles of Jesus are not just a challenge to my head, like how did He do that? (laughs) They are a promise to our hearts that the world that I long for, the, the world that Lady Gaga longs for, okay, that that world is coming. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are grateful that You um, are not a small God of our imagination one that we can fit comfortably inside our box. Father, I pray that You would help us to um, respond to You in faith. That You would be pleased with our coming to You as a God who is bigger than our imagination. A God who answers questions that we don't even know to ask yet. A God who can fill us with awe and wonder because You are, as You describe Yourself, as You reveal Yourself to be, You are outside of our box. And You are the Creator of this world and the Savior of it. Father, would You grant to us faith to believe that we might also have the hope that comes with that belief. Well, thank You in the name of Jesus. Amen.